This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF News. Mostly cloudy, then gradual clearing today, high near 41. Increasing clouds tonight, low around 27. Partly sunny Wednesday, slight chance of snow showers in the afternoon with a high near 34. Three people who were part of a crew putting on a holiday fireworks display at Highland Park in Endwell were reportedly threatened by a man with a knife. Authorities say the incident at the town of Union Park off Hooper Road was reported around 5.20 p.m. on Sunday. According to New York State Police, troopers were sent to the park after a 911 call was received. Joshua Bean of Endwell was arrested in connection with the incident. He was charged with three counts of third-degree menacing. He allegedly had a pocket knife during the confrontation. An investigation determined Bean menaced three people who had been involved with the holiday fireworks display that had just concluded at the park. There apparently were no injuries in the incident. Bean was taken to Broome County Jail in the town of Dickinson for arraignment. The confrontation between Bean and those working for the fireworks company came at the end of the annual Christmas in the Park event hosted by the Town of Union. Town Supervisor Robert Mack told WNBF News he had left the park just before the incident occurred. Mack said the park's manager advised him of the matter shortly after it happened. It occurred as the workers were in the process of tearing down the equipment that was used for the fireworks display. The operators of several Binghamton businesses want the city to do more to address criminal activity, including shootings, assaults, and vandalism. Some downtown business owners have expressed growing frustration in recent weeks about incidents that have made employees and customers fearful for their safety. In one case, a bullet damaged the window of a parked vehicle. In another recent incident, a large window at the Island Hut, a Washington Street restaurant, was shattered. A restaurant employee said someone apparently fired a BB gun at the window just before Thanksgiving. He expressed disappointment that no one was being held responsible for the damage. Mayor Jared Cram told WNBF News that he's had conversations about crime concerns with downtown business owners. The mayor said while he believes downtown is safe, there have been public safety issues. He said the problems include violent crime, vandalism, and things like aggressive panhandling. Graham noted that in October, steps were taken to address issues that were linked to the operation of the Salvation Army meal program on Washington Street. He said the agency made changes to address some of their concerns raised by business owners. Village Public Works employees using heavy equipment hauled away massive amounts of garbage that had filled the yard and driveway of a condemned Endicott residence. A court order in late September directed all occupants to leave the two-story house at 1000 Monroe Street. Police had reported a series of incidents tied to the site over the past year. Authorities said a shooting, a stabbing, and a series of fights involving people linked to the residents were causing problems for people in the neighborhood. A village code enforcement official condemned the property on October 4th. A notice posted in the house on November 7th gave the owner 30 days to correct health and safety violations. 
Endicott Mayor Linda Jackson said village workers descended on the site Monday morning with front-end loaders, dump trucks, and a garbage truck to remove the trash on the property. The exterior cleanup job took a few hours. Jackson said workers were not legally permitted to go inside the house. Shortly after police evicted the occupants of the residence, people continued to enter the house even though the doors and windows had been boarded up. The mayor said there have been no recent problems reported at the address. Mayor Jerry Graham Monday announced the city has locked down 35 Baker Street, a problem property in the first ward where police arrested multiple people earlier this year on weapons and narcotics charges. On November 22nd, City Court Judge Daniel Seaton signed an order locking down the property at 35 Baxter Street for 12 months, effective December 1st of this year. The order states the city and the owners of the property have agreed that 35 Baxter Street is a public nuisance, having an adverse impact on the immediate neighborhood and upon the city of Binghamton in general, as defined by the city's property and building nuisance reform law. In August, the city issued a lockdown warning letter to the owners of 35 Baxter Street, deeming the property a public nuisance under the city's property and building nuisance reform law, commonly known as the lockdown law. After the owners failed to abate the nu- nu- nuisance, the city then filed a petition with city court to ask for a lockdown. The warning letter came shortly after three people were arrested at the property on felony weapons and narcotics charges following an investigation by the Broome County Special Investigations Unit Task Force. A fourth person was charged with criminal impersonation, which is a misdemeanor. At the time of the lockdown warning letter was issued, 35 Baxter Street had been assigned a total of 30 lockdown points for incidents dating back to September of 2022. That's a look at news for local news, weather, sports, and features. Open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. News Radio 1290 WNBF. I'm Bob Joseph. This is Binghamton Now for Tuesday, December 12th, 2023. As we take to the air, everything seems fine in the parlor city. All are well, to the best of my knowledge. And we'll keep you posted with developments as they occur. Looking forward to the next three hours of live local broadcasting at 92.1 FM, 1290 AM. Streaming at WNBF.com. And, of course, you can stay connected using the WNBF app. You can call us at 607-772-1290. What is on your mind today? You can steer the program. You are in the driver's seat, if you choose. Otherwise, you can sit back and have another three cups of coffee. And enjoy. Enjoy the program with some information. We've been already out reporting. I uh, have to tell you, I could have spent the entire day on Washington Avenue. I 
met uh, a few people, some people who I have chatted with in the past, and some people who I don't believe I've ever met before, but it's amazing even uh, at 8 or 8.15 in the morning, you can uh, accomplish quite a bit on Washington Avenue in Endicott. I even had a chance to uh, chat with one of my high school teachers who I haven't had not seen in decades. And in fact, I walked into a business and he walked right past me. I mean, neither of us recognized each other because it had been so long. And uh, the proprietor of the business said, hey, that's... And I said, oh, really? And I quick ran out of the business and managed to catch him before he drove away. And we had a, a little chat about things in Endicott, Union Endicott High School, and uh, sort of what's been going on over the last mm, few decades. So, actually had some great conversations. Should have been running, uh, running a recorder. Would have been some very interesting uh, segments for the program. Anyway, good times. Good times even early in the morning on Washington Avenue. Greetings to all those on the Avenue in Endicott. Greetings to all around the region. Speaking of Endicott, one of the stories that we have posted on our website was an update from a problem property on Monroe Street. We've covered this property several times this year, fortunately. The house at 1000 Monroe Street had become apparently a magnet for uh, people who, whose behavior didn't enhance the neighborhood, we'll say. So police were frequently being called there. Finally, in September, there was a court order. And uh, the police, I think, came along one Friday afternoon and advised everybody who was still inside that house that they had to leave. Then the place was boarded up, windows and doors, but people still tried to get inside and still cause problems. I guess lately there have been no big issues at the place, but one lingering problem had been giant mounds of trash piled up in the driveway and in the front yard and the side yard and then finally about 24 hours ago village crews came by and I'm told they had uh, a front end loader I guess a couple of dump trucks a garbage truck they cleaned the place up so we have an update on the story on our website, WNBF.com. You can take a look at some of the pictures of what the place looked like as of a few weeks ago. And also there's a photo from Monday afternoon of what it now looks like. Of course, the house is still 
problematic because all the windows and doors are boarded up. It's been condemned. So we'll see what happens next with the property. We have not been able to contact the person who is the listed property owner. But at some point, maybe I'll have a chance to speak with him to find out what plans he may have for the property. You can take a look at that story on WNBF.com. There's also, I think, helpfully, there's a video down at the bottom of the story of what the place looked like about a month and a half ago when I uh, wandered around. What a, what a mess. There's a shopping cart, lots of trash strewn about in the driveway, in the front yard, and all sorts of trash in the backyard. Although on the plus side, there's evidence of patriotism because there was a, a flip faded American flag out front, and then as I walked around to the side, I noticed there was a large American flag, so at least their heart was in the right place. So take a look at that story, if you'd like, and uh, yeah, it's an update. We do try to follow through on some of these stories, see where things happen, we'll keep an eye on that property. It's 917 at WNBF. Good morning, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? A good citizen, John from Binghamton. All right, a citizen activist. You must be a founder of Citizen Action. Well, I'll tell you what, that alone on my resume gives me a shot at New York State Senate. Yes, you, know? you could. You could become, you could run for State Senate, State Assembly, who knows? You could be potentially uh, at least uh, considered as a possible candidate for Congress in this district if, yeah, so, if uh, you played your cards right. Speaking of a state Senate, you remember a candidate that ran against Tom Libus who had some rather interesting television commercials, John Orzel? I do remember, remember Mr. Orzel. In fact, he and Tom Libus debated uh, right here in this studio. I was, I was surprised that, I wasn't surprised Mr. Orzel agreed to debate. I believe he had been the mayor of Whitney Point. He was the Democratic candidate. I was a little surprised that Senator Libus agreed to debate. But one thing that I always noticed about Senator Libus when it came to running for re-election or even dealing with issues that might be viewed as sensitive. He, he never, at least in my experience, he never seemed to duck these issues, unlike some other elected officials around here who don't want to face the issues or don't want to answer a few questions. Senator Libus was always up to answer a few questions. And as I recall, every time, every time there was um, an opponent, he agreed to debate the opponent. Uh, and did you do you know what Orzel was doing until about yesterday? No, I'm afraid to ask. Well, he was the uh, town of Triangle uh, Justice Judge. Hmm. And uh, according to Law.com, and I think the New York Daily Record, but Law.com has got it, he, he resigned. Uh, he, he got into an argument with a woman in the, in, in the courtroom, I guess. Oh, really? Hall, hmm. And poked her one too many times with his big finger. Well, glad, I'm glad that law doesn't apply to police or else 
police, you know, when police have contact with you, physical contact. See, if I had physical contact with you, John, that was unwanted, you could potentially uh, file a complaint, I believe. I'm not sure what the exact charge would be. Look, Bob, those laws don't apply to me as a victim. I've been pushed, shoved, <laughs> muscled so many times. I know. By so many diff- different well, people. So anyway, uh, so, yeah, I didn't realize that. First, I didn't realize he, he was still a uh, justice in the town of Lyle. I'd, I'd lost touch with... Um, John Orzel, so I'm, I'm sorry to hear, hear that news that, uh, that you've conveyed. Well, uh, you know, uh, tonight is the test of the uh, functional family Maginot line, which is uh, west of Chestnut Street, I believe. Uh, uh, Jared Cram has declared uh, uh, that that is the line Binghamton is holding against the encroachment of student housing in what is called functional versus non-functional families. And there's a property on Johnson Avenue. But the interesting thing is, for about a week, uh, the uh, there was an eight and a half by ten sheet of white paper over the salient points of the required zoning sign. And then a few days after that. Uh, the sign was just taken out of the ground and and put put on the sidewalk. I have photos of that. So I did write the zoning board and, and did consider that improper uh, notification because the sign is supposed to be up. It's supposed to be legible. So we'll, we'll see uh, if this uh, zoning board uh, proceeding goes forward. But uh, that's the... Uh, Cram administration, you know, I, I was intrigued so that's, by it. So uh, I'm just looking here on the agenda. That's 10 Johnson Avenue. Right, right. So uh, according to the agenda for this afternoon's meeting at 515, it's an appeal of the zoning officer determination for a group of three unrelated individuals that do not meet the criteria for a family or the functional and factual equivalent of family in the R1 residential single unit dwelling district so who is binghamton west llc who do we know who is uh affiliated with that llc uh i don't know but i think that that there's a bill on hokel's desk that or there's a bill in new york city somewhere where uh, they want uh, the actual owners of these properties to uh, be named by the name yeah there is um I can't remember if it's a, a state senator or an assembly member, I think, from New York City. Maybe they have sponsors in both the assembly and Senate that uh, would require an actual name be attached to these um, LLCs that are buying up so many properties, not, not just in New York City, but even here in Parlor City. You know, uh, one thing about Jared and his phone call, you just a couple of quick points. Uh, he talked about Innovation Associates coming into the Emerson Electric Building. Uh, you, you know, and, and essentially he was stating the case that you could have stated when Emerson Electric came in, except the, the payroll was more at Emerson Electric. But, uh, you know, he, he you know, these, these public officials, they get carried away. You know, he's talking about how people are going to work in the Charles Street Business Park and they're going to sashay down uh, Clinton Street, and I'm not saying that it's not going to happen, that somebody's not going to go in for a fried egg sandwich, but, uh, you know, uh, uh, these points
points of of uh, of these politicians. You know, like a a guy's going to go downtown for a hockey game. He's going to stop before the hockey game and have a T-bone steak, and then him and his wife are going to go out for drinks afterwards. I mean, this kind of stuff uh, doesn't happen. <laughs> you know, if you talk to people in the hospitality business, I mean, they're just winging it uh, with, with these uh, claims. You know, uh, and, and let me tell you something about the type of work. You know, our big type of work here is, of course, the hospitals. Uh, those people work 12-hour shifts. Uh, they're in no condition. They're barely in condition to to turn on their <laughs> uh, computerized car and get back home. I mean, you know, they don't have time to go out and buy a bouquet of flowers or a buttonier or something. So, uh, you know, I think this is uh, quite overstated. These these revitalization schemes, uh, you know, are uh, and I I did by the way I did channel check the uh, Paulus building the other night. Because I, I was wondering, in one of the reports, it said uh, nearly, nearly all filled or something like that. And I did, you know, there's blinds that are drawn, but you can see if the lights are on. Uh, and I did see people walking around, you know, like with dogs and stuff. And I said, I thought, well, it's too bad the grocery store <laughs> closed down. I guess they could go to Walmart if they well, want to walk. Wouldn't hurt if Wegmans could open up a mini Wegmans, Wegmans Express. Because you know, if so my my guess is a lot of the people who live in that building are probably um, going to the big Wegmans store, not not too far away. But if they had a Wegmans Express within walking distance or where the Save a Lot store had been, I think I know Wegmans typically doesn't do small stores anymore. They're they're in the big format, but I think Wegmans Express there actually on Main Street. Because of the people who live at Victory Loss, plus some of the new stuff that's going in um, in conjunction with the Health Sciences Campus. Seems, seems like that would be a good investment, but I could be wrong. Appreciate your call, John. Thank you. It's 926. This is Binghamton Now. On your Tuesday morning, I'm Bob Joseph. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Shop Toyota, Chevy, BMW, and pre owned at GaltAuto.com. Tuesday morning, Bob Joseph live on WNBF. We're joined by Karen Sweet O'Neill from KSO Insurance Solutions. The following segment is sponsored by KSO Insurance Solutions. Good morning, Karen. How are you? Good morning, Bob. I am well. How about yourself? Oh, great. I've almost finished all my holiday shoplifting. <laughs> well, it takes some talent to do that so early. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm and kidding, of course. I. Of I always pay top dollar for all of my holiday merchandise because I support the local economies. Uh-huh. Well, good for you. And you're probably also last minute, so you pay top dollar. <laughs> yeah. One year, one year I learned a bitter lesson. This is back when the newspaper still had reporters, and mm -hmm. I was shopping. Remember when they used to have the Oakdale Mall before those guys came over and turned it into the Oakdale Commons? I do. Yeah. So I was shopping at the Oakdale Mall, and I made a mistake. 
I stopped. This is this is a very serious error in judgment. I stopped to talk with a reporter for the newspaper. Uh-huh. And I wound up being featured, I think, on the front page the next day about uh, people who procrastinate. Um, and I, <laughs> I, I learned a bitter lesson. I mean, that's, that's in the, I think it's in the archives of the newspaper. Bob Joseph, man who procrastinates. Uh-huh. Oh, that's funny. You became the story. I know. I don't like becoming the story. I, I'm the one who should be asking a few questions. That's right. You're reporting the yes, story. Yes, the tables were turned. Anyway, give us a preview mm. of what you'll be discussing tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning we're going to elongate the discussion from last week because we have so many inquiries on it. So obviously there's a lot of questions. And last week, if um, the listeners didn't hear, we were talking about... Uh, long-term care and why is it important and should your retirement plan include long-term care planning and uh, you know the thing is health insurance which is what long-term care is or life insurance which is a, a hybrid product and we'll talk about that is one of the only ways not the only way well, one of the only ways to protect yourself against those high high costs of um, assisted living, nursing home, or home care. And let's face it, we're all getting older, and our population, you know, we're, we're here in our 80s and our 90s and sometimes, uh, you know, centurions. So what happens is you need a little help along the way as you age, but it costs a lot of money. So we're going to talk about how it's not going to cost you a lot of money if you prepare correctly and, um, you know, some of the costs associated with that. We are at... 1708 Vestal Parkway East, the old Towers Florist for a lot of people, and up above and behind Plato's Closet and Style Encore. You can reach us several ways for an appointment. You can simply give us a call at 607, of course, 772-4898. You can also Google us at KSO Insurance, and all our contact information will come up including our website. You can make an appointment through our web. Or if you missed the phone number, we have a big display ad under insurance in the yellow pages. Karen Sweet O'Neill, thanks for the preview, and we will speak with you tomorrow morning right about this time. Sounds good. Thanks, Bob. Have a great day. You as well. It's 9.33. This is Bob Joseph, live and local. The program's called Binghamton Now, 92.1 FM, 12.90 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. News Radio 1290 WNBF. WNBF at 936. This is Bob Joseph. Live in our beautiful studio in downtown Binghamton, we can say that because we don't live stream, so there's absolutely no way you could tell uh, the overall condition of the studio. But it's uh, it's okay. We haven't been shut down recently, so I'm sure the city would issue a news release if things get out of control. Joined now by Walter Hang from Toxics Targeting in Ithaca. Walter Hang who used to be um, a regular guest on the program back in the day. Hi, Bob. Thanks for inviting me. 
Well, you remember where the station is, right? <laughs> I, I make a beeline to your station at every opportunity because you have such an incredible, loyal following. Oh. And you really uh, have played an amazing role in safeguarding the Southern Tier in Binghamton from toxic hazards. I, I totally commend you. That's why my catchphrase is Bob Joseph on your side. That's not just a slogan. That's my mission. It is absolutely true. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, well, it's good to see you again. I mean, it, as, as we look back, we'll talk about uh, some important current issues in just a moment. But we're looking back on, what, over, over a decade of uh, covering environmental issues here in the Binghamton area and across upstate New York, including those glorious days when when not just hundreds, but even thousands of people were were motivated on both sides of the issue surrounding high volume hydraulic fracturing. You know, those were the days. You know, Bob, it's almost fifteen years. We started in two thousand nine. And the fight isn't over by any means, and that's why I'm here today. I, I was just looking on our, uh, our search engine. I think I've got a, a picture of you. I think there's a picture of you at a protest at Binghamton University. It was probably about a decade ago associated with, with fracking. I think you probably remember that day. I do. Um, I was there with Mark Ruffalo, the famous actor, sitting next to me. And he then just kind of ended the uh, presentation by saying, <clears throat> well, you know, I'll be down here if you want me to sign anything. And it was like the Red Sea parted and thousands of women rushed the stage <laughs> to come and get close to Mark Ruffalo. It was hard to believe, but he helped us. Uh, as did so many others, uh, notably Matt Ryan, the um, former Binghamton mayor. And we ultimately prevailed in stopping high-volume hydraulic fracturing, we thought. And the problem was when the final supplemental generic environmental impact statement was released, we found out that we had only barred hydrofracking involving 300,000 or more gallons of water. Uh, and then you and I, I believe, talked about gel propane fracking, this non-water alternative, almost immediately to the day after the finding statement for the final S guys was announced. And we found out that Governor Cuomo basically didn't keep his word. He said he was going to prohibit all forms of high-volume hydraulic fracturing, and he only barred fracking with water. And now we know that letters are going out to, I think, 6,500 uh, landowners in the southern tier requesting mineral rights leasing to permit fracking in Marcella Shale and Utica Shale with carbon dioxide. So carbon dioxide can be compressed into a hydraulic fracking fluid, just like gel propane, just like nitrogen, just like natural gas itself. And this is not specifically prohibited. And that's how come today um, I'm announcing a new coalition letter at ToxicsTargeting.com. And we're going to be calling upon Governor Hochul 
uh, to basically immediately prohibit on a comprehensive basis all forms of high volume hydraulic fracturing using carbon dioxide, water, nitrogen, natural gas, liquid petroleum gas uh, for horizontal, directional or vertical drilling anywhere in the state of New York's Marcellus and Utica Shale and other geologic formations. And so we need people to sign that coalition letter uh, and otherwise take action to make sure that we don't have carbon dioxide fracking in New York because it's just as bad as all the other forms of high volume hydraulic fracking. So how difficult do you think this effort is going to be? Because I all along have been operating under the assumption that because of the potential for big money, that uh, those who are interested, not just landowners, but energy companies, one way or the other, are going to find a way in New York State to extract what's the gas that's under the, the Marcellus Shale. And therefore, it, it seems that uh, this, this is the, the setup for what also could be a lengthy and a potentially uh, very, very big battle going forward in Albany. There's no question that it's going to be a huge fight, but I think we're going to prevail and we're going to do everything we can to make sure that we keep New York 100% shale frack free. We're the only state in the country where there's actual shale where we've kept out all of the fracking, not one oil or gas production well anywhere in the state of New York has ever been fracked. Uh, so we're batting a thousand so far, but you're exactly right. The lure of those billions and billions of dollars, unfortunately, at huge environmental cost, it's just too much to resist. And so sooner or later, they're going to try to frack with whatever they can get through the little loopholes uh, that, that Governor Cuomo basically put in place. And that's how come... You know, we have the coalition letter. I'm talking to you to speak to the residents of the Southern Tier where this carbon dioxide fracking is being touted as an environmentally friendly solution to climate change, you know, effort. But that's all self-serving, slick marketing, greenwashing, and we're not going to allow it. And that's how come I, I tell your listeners, call Governor Hochul right now, 518-474-8390 and say no carbon dioxide fracking allowed anywhere in New York. Prohibit all forms of high volume hydraulic fracturing, just like, you know, the, the Cuomo administration and New York State as a whole promised. And we have to basically go right back into the fight these environmental battles are never ending. Anyone thinks that you can sit on your couch and watch a movie and throw some money at big green groups and win everything is just not the case. Because we're so close to the Pennsylvania border, a lot of people enjoy pointing to the so-called economic benefits, the so-called prosperity in some of the neighboring counties, including Susquehanna County. They say, look at all the people who now are driving late model vehicles and they've been able to either uh, build new homes, extravagant homes or additions and that the economy in some of the northeastern Pennsylvania counties has been boosted dramatically since fracking started there. And I am sure 
inevitably, that'll be one of the potential selling points as the people who are, are pushing for this type of fracking to be allowed, this type of process to be allowed in New York, they'll say, hey, look at the potential economic benefits. Wouldn't the people in, in Binghamton, places like Broome and Tioga counties, love to have some of that glorious prosperity? Well, that sounds good, but let's look at the reality. And the reality is in Pennsylvania, where fracking has been allowed on a huge scale, the problems are absolutely mind-boggling. Number one, there are literally hundreds of drinking water pollution incidents where the contamination is irreparable. You know, someone's fracking nearby and suddenly your water is polluted. Uh, the, the dumping of the wastewaters, the produced water, the flowback uh, water from fracking wells has actually converted many streams in Pennsylvania to briny conditions. <clears throat> and so it, it's just a classic case where the mining is always purported to be done well, it'll be done safely, we'll have the best regulations in the country, and then the grim reality is all these problems occur. And so, yes, yeah, some people always benefit, but it's the local residents who have to deal with the pollution, the noise, the irreparable impact. And the key thing for New Yorkers to realize is that this non-water shale fracking would be regulated under 1992 generic environmental impact statement uh, regulations that even the Department of Environmental Conservation deemed inadequate for high volume hydraulic fracturing. And so I've actually just posted at toxicstargeting.com a compilation of truly shocking oil and gas drilling problems that the existing regs haven't prevented or cleaned up. So here's one in Allegheny, New York um, from 2019. This is residential and it basically says, uh, caller remarks, house exploded, gas um, from oil field suspected. Here's another one that basically involves Caller said that while drilling for a new drinking water well, they encountered a petroleum product at 12 feet below grade surface, and the amount, the material that was spilled was crude oil. So we have oil, we have gas, we have uncontrolled pollution, just hither and yon where the drilling has been allowed in New York, including fracking of vertical wells. And that's how come we've got to make sure that we don't suffer the irreparable harm that all of the states that have allowed fracking have endured. You've mentioned some of these issues in, in past appearances, past conversations on this program, but it still occurs to me, a lot of people in New York are blissfully unaware that there are lots of hazardous locations, in some cases not far from their homes or maybe not far from where their kids go to school or maybe the parks where they, they uh, spend quality time in, in the summer or year-round. Uh, a lot of the toxic sites, if you, excuse the expression, drill down on the Internet, you can find the information, but it, it's been my experience. A lot of people, even though there's been some news coverage, don't, don't really understand the, the scope 
of what's happened over, say, the last century or more across New York State. You couldn't be more correct. I mean, the reality is that no one even remembers toxic pollution hazards. No one remembers the Love Canal. No one remembers that the Hudson River is the biggest Superfund site in America. No one remembers IBM Endicott, you know, with massive solvent contamination hazards that have never been cleaned up. And, and that's because the environmental movement became the climate change movement. And so you only hear about the problems. Oh, it's an existential crisis. Oh, everyone's going to move to Duluth, Minnesota, because the rest of the country is going to bake to death. And then you never hear anything about the solutions. It's just this endless crisis, and then nothing needs to be done. You know, and, and that's how come we remain more dependent on fossil fuel uh, than ever before. America's now the biggest oil and gas producer in the planet because of shale fracking. But you're absolutely correct. It is imperative to understand that New York and other older industrial states have inherited this legacy of contamination. The law is that these Superfund sites, these brownfield sites, have to be restored to predisposal conditions. And guess what? The law is not being enforced. The public is not being protected from these legacy contamination problems, just like the oil drilling, the gas drilling that's left this incredible legacy of two centuries of pollution. And we've got to stop that. We've got to begin to prevent new problems and clean up the existing problems in order to safeguard public health. People want more information about specifically the campaign that's now being launched to uh, call attention to the issue and, and try to persuade Governor Hochul to prohibit Marcellus shale fracking using carbon dioxide or some of the other work that your organization has been doing. How can people get that information? So they can go to ToxicsTargeting.com and then just click on the link, you know, to stop carbon dioxide shale fracking in New York and then sign the coalition letter uh, and then look at this incredible compilation, you know, that documents all these spills, all these fires, all these explosions, drinking water pollution, again, that the State Department of Environmental Conservation never cleaned up. And you're going to be shocked when you see, you know, situations where one company has, for example, lease spills identified at 69 locations in 2019. The matter's still not resolved. And so we need Governor Hochul to basically confront this reality, solve this problem, and not allow it to get worse by permitting carbon dioxide shale fracking. That would be unthinkable. It would be irresponsible. And so call Governor Hochul, 518-474-8390, and tell her no carbon dioxide shale fracking anywhere in New York. Prohibit all forms of high-volume hydraulic fracturing, just like New York State promised. We're going to hold her accountable. We're going to make her keep her word on behalf of New York State. And the fight has just begun. Walter Hang of Toxics Targeting, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Bob. It's 9.52, live and local. This is Binghamton Now on WNBF.
Bob Joseph live at 9.56. Sunny today, high 41. Increasing clouds tonight, low 27. Partly sunny tomorrow. A few snow showers in the afternoon, the high 34. Right now in downtown Binghamton, it's 32. That's zero Celsius. Right here at News Radio WNBF, air quality is lovely. AQI air quality index is 26. Bob Joseph live. You're listening to News Radio WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town square. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF News. Mostly cloudy, then gradual clearing today, high near 41. Increasing clouds tonight, low around 27. Partly sunny Wednesday, slight chance of snow showers in the afternoon, with a high near 34. Three people who were part of a crew putting on a holiday fireworks display at Highland Park in Endwell were reportedly threatened by a man with a knife. Authorities say the incident at the town of Union Park off Hooper Road was reported around 5.20 p.m. on Sunday. According to New York State Police, troopers were sent to the park after a 911 call was received. Joshua Bean of Endwell was arrested in connection with the incident. He was charged with three counts of third-degree menacing. He allegedly had a pocket knife during the confrontation. An investigation determined Bean menaced three people who had been involved with the holiday fireworks display that had just concluded at the park. There apparently were no injuries in the incident. Bean was taken to Broome County Jail in the town of Dickinson for arraignment. The confrontation between Bean and those working for the fireworks company came at the end of the annual Christmas in the Park event hosted by the town of Union. Town Supervisor Robert Mack told WNBF News he had left the park just before the incident occurred. Mack said the park's manager advised him of the matter shortly after it happened. It occurred as the workers were in the process of tearing down the equipment that was used for the fireworks display. The operators of several Binghamton businesses want the city to do more to address criminal activity, including shootings, assaults, and vandalism. Some downtown business owners have expressed growing frustration in recent weeks about incidents that have made employees and customers fearful for their safety. In one case, a bullet damaged the window of a parked vehicle. In another recent incident, a large window at the Island Hut, a Washington Street restaurant, was shattered. A restaurant employee said someone apparently fired a BB gun at the window just before Thanksgiving. He expressed disappointment that no one was being held responsible for the damage. Mayor Jerry Cram told WNBF News that he's had conversations about crime concerns with downtown business owners. The mayor said while he believes downtown is safe, there have been public safety issues. He said the problems include violent crime, vandalism, and things like aggressive panhandling. Graham noted that in October, steps were taken to address issues that were linked to the operation of the Salvation Army meal program on Washington Street. He said the agency made changes to address some of their concerns raised by business owners. Village Public Works employees using heavy equipment hauled away massive amounts of garbage that had filled the yard and driveway of a condemned Endicott residence. A court order in late September directed all occupants to leave the two-story house at 1000 Monroe Street. 
Police had reported a series of incidents tied to the site over the past year. Authorities said a shooting, a stabbing, and a series of fights involving people linked to the residents were causing problems for people in the neighborhood. A village code enforcement official condemned the property on October 4th. A notice posted in the house on November 7th gave the owner 30 days to correct health and safety violations. Endicott Mayor Linda Jackson said village workers descended on the site Monday morning with front-end loaders, dump trucks, and a garbage truck to remove the trash on the property. The exterior cleanup job took a few hours. Jackson said workers were not legally permitted to go inside the house. Shortly after police evicted the occupants of the residence, people continued to enter the house even though the doors and windows had been boarded up. The mayor said there have been no recent problems reported at the address. Mayor Jerry Graham Monday announced the city has locked down 35 Baker Street, a problem property in the first ward where police arrested multiple people earlier this year on weapons and narcotics charges. On November 22nd, City Court Judge Daniel Seaton signed an order locking down the property at 35 Baxter Street for 12 months, effective December 1st of this year. The order states the city and the owners of the property have agreed that 35 Baxter Street is a public nuisance, having an adverse impact on the immediate neighborhood and upon the city of Binghamton in general, as defined by the city's property and building nuisance reform law. In August, the city issued a lockdown warning letter to the owners of 35 Baxter Street, deeming the property a public nuisance under the city's property and building nuisance reform law, commonly known as the lockdown law. After the owners failed to abate the nuisance, the city then filed a petition with city court to ask for a lockdown. The warning letter came shortly after three people were arrested at the property on felony weapons and narcotics charges following an investigation by the Broome County Special Investigations Unit Task Force. A fourth person was charged with criminal impersonation, which is a misdemeanor. At the time of the lockdown, warning letter was issued. 35 Baxter Street had been assigned a total of 30 lockdown points for incidents dating back to September of 2022. That's a look at news for local news, weather, sports, and features. Open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. The WNBF Orchestra performing for you. 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming at WNBF.com. All right, we only paid for 20 seconds, and so there you go. Another 20-second installment from the WNBF Orchestra coming up sometime next month. We can cobble together another $100. This is Binghamton Now. I'm Bob Joseph. We will be taking some of your phone calls later this hour. So if you have some thoughts about things going on around here, we would strongly encourage you to uh, hold those thoughts and be prepared to call in when we give you the word. Joined now by Endicott Mayor Lynnage Jackson from... Um, what I believe is the Valley of Opportunity. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. 
So what's going on in Endicott this morning? Well, I appreciate you giving me this opportunity to to uh, kind of um, sum up my year, my four years as uh, mayor. I, I really appreciate my supporters, and I accomplished a lot, uh, even though most of it was done outside the boardroom. The main problems of the village, the economy, the clean water, code enforcement, and security are either completed or in stages, and I'd kind of like to give you a quick rundown, if I might. Um, I supported the industrial campus, and that's uh, and that became instrumental in getting a new owner to take over the campus and make the needed repairs. Remember how how bad our situation was? We were in we were in jeopardy of losing everything on the campus. But now we've got we've got new businesses and jobs to boost our economy. And uh, by supporting this clean energy and the battery technology through Binghamton University, we're bringing more advancements and grant money to the village. Um, and once our industrial campus is filled with tenants, we intend to go back to the tax assessor to have the property taxes assessed like they were when IBM was here. And our our water has been a problem for decades, but we've got the new well coming with our bipartisan political allies who paid for it. And uh, we have uh, the new hydrant system that has been really great with reduction in dirty calls. We've got replacing pipes as we repave the roads. But, you know, most of our dirty water comes from our rainy well because we've got contaminants there that mix the iron mixes with the uh, chlorine and makes dirty water. So what we're working on is that water filter system. We, we're only $7 million behind. It was $18 million, and we've got $7 million to go, and I've got a few more avenues to try to get that money for it. Our crime prevention, you've seen 1,000 Monroe. We're finally making prop progress with it. Um, it's taken us a while to figure out the ropes and get through all the, the new rules with COVID, but we're getting, we're getting to um, start really making these violations stick, and we're really enforcing a lot. And our... And, uh, and with our police, we have this stratified policing department, our, our way of doing things now. And what we do is they, they don't rush to arrest. They try to find out what the problems are. We have assistance from RISE Domestic and Drug Addiction Volunteers. And with our present revolving doors of prison policy, uh, just swooping in and making arrests and moving on isn't solving our problems. Many municipalities and even some in the media have said we've got the safest area in the county. We now have a more advanced training facility in Broome, in, in Broome County to help both the police and the 911 personnel train for these terrible situations. So we're more prepared. Our, our police are more prepared than anyone else that I know of. So with all these things being addressed, the, um, we're, we're, we're starting on new projects. The avenue, we want to have more uh, activities down here. We're working with the Chamber of Commerce. They're helping us work with that and around the area. We're even talking about having a big event at the community center. Uh, in the winter when we have have snow, we're going to have a Hawaiian luau down at the community center. And so I just want to thank everybody for helping. And because I was mayor, I was ma- able to forge all these relationships that we now have. And now working with the community and Endicott Proud, we can keep going. So if people want to get involved, I sure would appreciate it. So if anybody listening wants to get involved with doing things in Endicott as a community, talk to Endicott Proud or visit my my, uh, email at lindaj.1951.lj at gmail.com. And we'd love to get together because we've got a lot of new committees started. So I really appreciate you, uh, Bob Endicott, for making this possible for me to get all this message out. Thank you. Well, um I'm glad that we uh, had a chance to do this. I actually spent 
uh, a little while on Washington Avenue this morning on my way in and uh, wound up uh, talking with people at, at three businesses. See, there are uh, some long-time businesses that have been uh, operating on the avenue, and we're going to highlight those, I think, later today or tomorrow on our website. Because although a lot of businesses, we, we talked with Jerry Smith yesterday about, say, some of the businesses that were on the avenue back in the 70s, there are still some of those businesses that, that remain. Of course, um, Endicott Florist, I had a great conversation with uh, all the folks there this morning. They were surprised when I popped in. They were like, <laughs> oh, Bob Joseph, can I take a picture? My wife will be so surprised when she hears that Bob stopped in. And so we talked a bit about how many generations have been uh, working at Endicott Florist. And, of course, we talked with uh, Frank the Barber, and he is still so enthusiastic about Endicott. Um, just, you know, he, he understands. He, he understands the history of Endicott and, and how things are cyclical. And he, he still has this enthusiasm after all these decades of serving so many people on uh, North Street and then most recently on Washington Avenue. And the thing that was amazing is I, as I walked into his barber shop, I walked right past a person who looked, we'll just say vaguely familiar. He held the door open for me. I thought, well, I didn't, I just said, you know, good morning. And uh, Frank said, oh, that's, you know who, I'm not going to mention his name, uh, on the program. And he was a former high school teacher and I hadn't seen him in a long time. And fortunately, before he uh, drove away, I was able to uh, cross Washington Avenue and uh, introduce myself and we, we had a good chat about Endicott and Union Endicott High School and uh, coaching. Oh, there's a hint of who it might be, uh, somebody who had been coaching for 46 years. So, um, but yeah, it was just fun. As, as I mentioned last hour, I could have spent probably the whole day just talking with people on Washington Avenue. Unfortunately, I didn't have all day, but I was able to have uh, a few good conversations before I came here to Binghamton. Now, speaking of the Avenue, looking ahead, uh -huh. and people are always interested in, in the, the project to make all the improvements that have been discussed. I know we, we should be hearing some good things soon about about that effort and hopefully during 2024 people will actually begin seeing some uh real changes on on the avenue between north street and main street yes all we really have to do is finish the street with the lights and the sidewalks all the private projects are done like epac and the brewery now the one project that we haven't finished yet is where the endicott inn used to be but uh, I talked to the Secretary of State, and there was some money left over from the Binghamton Fund that wasn't used on projects that they were going to do, and they are talking to the developer about putting um, something there. I'm having the developer get some drawings up now, and we're talking about it. They're going to kind of uh, relinquish some of the money that was spent and give it back to him so that he can work on it. And I also talked to uh, the IDA, Stacy Duncan, and she said she'd be glad to help also. So there's 
so many people who are still willing to help. So we hope to find something now. I am, as we talk, I'm sorry we aren't going to be getting a hotel there right now because we can't get one to come, but we do still have the area across from the golf course. And even though that's the town of Union, not the village, that still would be very good for us if we could get a hotel there. So I think that's going to be something else I can work on. I don't work for the village, so I can, I can help out the town of Union also. So working on trying to find a, a hotel is an idea. So we'll get everything going pretty soon. At the um, former Endicott Insight down at the south end of Washington yes. Avenue near the high school, is, is the current thinking something along the lines then of a residential development for that location? Well, actually, what we're thinking is um, a three-story building, two-story, second and third would be apartments for um, a market-rate apartments for our industrial campus because we are desperate for apartments um, for people coming in from out of town. I know a lot of these people will eventually want to buy their houses, but they've got to have a place to stay when they first come in. And putting them on the avenue and having them uh, patronize the avenue is going to be a big help. And the first floor would be some kind of businesses, maybe a few different businesses, maybe a coffee shop or something. Something like that. That's what we're talking about right now. So that that and he also had bought the gray house, Mr. Murphy's house, and so he uh, the developer owns a lot of property. So we've got a room for a really nice size apartment complex, and uh, so we're we're get, waiting for the the drawings right now. So that's what they're planning for that area. So you're referring to Marchuskas? Yes. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Justin. He um, he bought three houses across the street from me and leveled them because he's working with BOCES right now. He owns BOCES too, so he's been doing a lot of good things. He's, he's got it cleaned up nice. The houses were dilapidated and, and uh, you know, were destroyed. They needed to come down. Two of them at least needed to come down. And he did take care of the property on the old inn there, but we don't want a second-rate hotel. We don't want more. We don't want what we had before at the Endicott Inn. Well, so there had been problems. Apartment. It, it yeah. turned out to be a problem property in, in the final years before, before it was demolished. As far as looking on Main Street a little bit to the east of Washington Avenue, we were expecting to see construction start by now for the O'Reilly Auto Parts store. Obviously, some preliminary work was done on the site, but I've seen no signs of construction. Do you know what may be going on there with uh, what was expected to be the first entry of O'Reilly into the Binghamton market? Oh, they're still going to do it. But, you know, when you when you wait a while, our construction crews are very, very tied up. You have to plan ahead to get that done. So I do believe they're going to be planning to do it in the spring. I think they've got contracts now for the spring. So they have to, hope to have it up and running by next year. And that is going to be a very big uh, calling card. I know there's a lot of other car places, but for some reason, O'Reilly has done a lot of investigation, and they really feel that they've got a market to, to take care of there so that's going to make that whole area look great They're, they've got the landscaping beautiful so that when you come into Endicott you get to see grass and trees it's going to be very very inviting and that's what we want something inviting to come into Endicott what do you think about the prospects for the old Kmart building of course uh, at one point there was enthusiasm for a Green Mountain Electric Supply because they had selected that property for uh, a major facility and unfortunately because of uh, uh, 
uh, structural issues for what they needed for their Broome County site at that Endicott site didn't work out, and they are now uh, redeveloping a site in Kirkwood. But as far as the the future of the Endicott Plaza, I'm told that the basic building, the Kmart building, is in fairly good shape, with the exception of the roof. What is the, in your view, even though you're leaving office as mayor, what what is your view for prospects for the future? At one point, the state allocated money for the demolition of that building. Well, that didn't happen, but here we still have, years later, a building really that hasn't been used for 12 years. It's uh, Kmart shut down suddenly after the the flood of uh, September 2011, and so this property has been just unused, abandoned for over a decade. What, What about the future? Well, Green Mountain, I think, wants to sell it. We had a lot of ideas we suggested to them. The public really got involved. They had some phenomenal out-of-the-box ideas, but they they just don't seem to be interested in doing anything. Now, Jason Garner had allocated, he got us the money for the brownfield, and then he offered it to change it for Green Mountain to fix their building. But now he said that under the circumstances, if, if they don't want to do something with it, he's going to change it back and tear down the building uh, and just make it into a brownfield. But we're kind of holding off, waiting to see what Green Mountain is going to do with it. I understand they have it for sale, but since it hasn't sold in 10 years until they took it over, I really don't know what their, their expectations are in selling it. So it's kind of like in a gray area. We... Uh, we really don't know, and it's, it's a large piece of property to have just sit there. So, we, like I said, we came up with a lot of ideas, but they didn't seem to be interested, which is a, which is a shame because it would make a nice par- place for a park and maybe basketball hoops or um, you wouldn't believe some of the things. They wanted a bike park down there, you know, like they, the BMX park. Something like that down in that area would be perfect because there's not a lot of homes near there so that we could have things that might might uh, make some noise but wouldn't bother the neighbors. So we're still hoping maybe we can still negotiate with them on it. Endicom Mayor Linda Jackson, thanks for the update this morning. I know we'll still keep in touch with you in the coming months. Oh, yes. Yeah, I'm still, I'm still working. I'm just doing it without political drama now. It's kind of nice, but a lot of people can get things done. That's what uh, the motto of Endicott Proud is. So I'm working with them on getting up some c- c- committees. So like I say, if anybody wants to work with us, I'd be glad to have them. We have lots of things we can do. So I, I'm enjoying it now. So thank you so much, Bob. Okay. Wish you the best. Thank you. Bye-bye. Stand 26 WNBF serving you with our Binghamton Now program every weekday morning from 9 to noon and calls. Yes, we will accept your phone call at 607-772-1290. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290, also available at 92.1 FM. We're still saving the Southern Tier money at Galt Toyota.
WNBF 10.30 here at the station, which is where I'll be for the next 90 minutes. <laughs> and then it's out reporting. We'll see. We'll see where I wind up this afternoon. Every day is a new challenge. Never know. Never know. From one day to the next, maybe I'll be in your neighborhood. Here's the forecast. From Mount Ettrick, the National Weather Service, sunny today, 41, increasing clouds tonight, 27, partly sunny tomorrow, a slight chance of snow showers in the afternoon, 34, sunny Thursday, 36. Right now, it's 34, that's 1 Celsius at WNBF. WNBF.com is the place to go for all of the important news. Interesting story about the big holiday celebration in Endwell at Highland Park. I was unable to attend, but uh, I am told a lot of people did show up on Sunday for the festivities with music and fun and frolic. Even though the weather was not really cooperative, sort of a wet and blustery and eh, a bleak day. It would have been nicer on Saturday. Saturday was fairly mild. But anyway, a lot of people did enjoy Christmas in the park held by uh, the town of Union. The one story we wound up doing, because at the end of the event, most people I am advised had, had left or were in the process of leaving. But then there was a brief episode where uh, a man was menacing, allegedly menacing some of the people who put on the fireworks. So we have some details about that story on our website in case you saw the state police responding to Highland Park late Sunday afternoon. At least now you have a sense of what was going on. Unfortunately, uh, that incident was brought under control thanks to the professional actions of New York State troopers. There may have been some Broome County Sheriff's deputies who also, I think, went over there to assist, but um, that matter was addressed quickly. So, But we do have uh, some details on the website, if that's something of interest to you. Still trying to figure out how uh, that house exploded in Oneana. I mean, I think I know how it exploded. It just exploded, and then there was a terrible fire, but not really clear to me uh, all the circumstances. I, I suspect we'll hear more about the investigation in the coming days, but unfortunately, I think that's uh, it's likely to be a, a case where there probably will be a lot of... Uh, Potential for litigation. So that happened Saturday. And people are still shocked at the devastation. 
and plus shock that one person died. So here's the latest. This is what's being reported by the Daily Star on its website. So this is what they're saying, according to a story by Lauren Takoris at thedailystar.com. So maybe there won't be litigation. This is what it says. Uh, Sheriff Richard Devlin said the incident was accidental and a result of human error by the deceased resident. Upon information gained from examination of the scene, interviews, and forensic examinations, the sheriff said our investigation concluded that an action by the resident resulted in a non-intended natural gas leak. So, I, I don't know. Doesn't really answer all my questions. Let's see. So, this happened, the explosion happened about 5.30 Saturday afternoon. Emergency crews found multiple residential structures with severe damage and an active structure fire. Once the fire was extinguished... One resident was found dead. Neighbor received medical attention for minor injuries. State Senator Peter Oberacker called on the governor to provide state disaster aid resources to those affected by the explosion. In a statement, he said, it's clear the cost to rebuild this neighborhood will be extremely high. The explosion damaged several houses and businesses in the west end of Oneana. One woman said the blast blew off her front door. A teenager who was upstairs in that home said a piece of the ceiling fell on him. At a store on Chestnut Street, a front window of the storefront was broken, and people could hear the boom for some distance. I guess I'd like to know more specifics about how this happened. It doesn't... As I page through the, the story, I don't, I don't see specifically what actually triggered this. An action by the resident resulted in a non-intended natural gas leak. Well, I guess if this happened, say, in New York City or Los Angeles, we probably would have more information. But anyway, at some point, I suppose we'll get additional details about what transpired and how that tragedy occurred and then what steps will be taken to reduce the likelihood that something like this could ever happen again. It's 1037. This is Bob Joseph, Tuesday morning at Binghamton Now, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. Joseph. Oh, oh. Mm. 
WNBF will take you there. Okay, there you go. Wherever you want. We've got an auto driving vehicle, and good luck. Hop in. I'll program in the uh, destination, and you send me a text if you get there. <laughs> oh, my gosh. These autonomous vehicles. I'm not saying that I don't trust them. I'm just saying... I'm saying good luck with that. You go in these uh, vehicles with uh, systems that clearly need work. What do you expect? What do you expect? Everything for Chuck Schumer is a game changer. Here's another game changer. Schumer applauds. Sorry, we don't have any sound effects. Schumer applauds major $10 billion partnership with Governor Hochul and business leaders to bring new major expansion to the Albany nanotech complex with the nation's most advanced R&D technology. That sounds like a game changer to me. That's what it might sound like if we had a recording of Senator Schumer applauding. Building on years of advocacy to elevate upstate New York and Albany Nanotech as a global center for semiconductor research and manufacturing, Senator Schumer announced, alongside Governor Hochul, a $10 billion public-private partnership with leaders from the semiconductor industry, including IBM, Micron, and others, to bring a major new expansion with investment in the world's most cutting-edge semiconductor machinery to the university at Albany's nanotech complex. Based on this statement, Senator Schumer had nothing to say about the game-changing developments with battery manufacturing in the southern tier. There's no reference here. That I see. Let me page down. Maybe he said something about what's happening in Endicott. Hmm. Mentions Tompkins County. Do, do, do. Not noticing anything. He mentions Buffalo, Rochester, Syracuse in the statement. But I see nothing that references. Endicott and Binghamton University. So maybe maybe they ran out of ink on his website. So, well, I'm sure it's another game changer, $10 billion, so it's only money. And as always, as always, when it comes to government officials promising jobs, I think we know what that means. Yes, all 4,000 jobs. Yes. Everything is glorious, glorious. Right, Governor? All 4,000 jobs are going to be protected and remain here in Endicott for at least the next 10 years. And we're very, very pleased about that. We are. I'm pleased. I would have been pleased if that came true. And I don't blame 
George Elmer Pataki for what happened to all 4,000 of those jobs. It wasn't his fault, but he also should not have made such a statement because, let's face it, governors don't, (laughs) they just don't control jobs. They don't control manufacturing jobs. They ought to realize that. This is your quiet island. Relax, sit back, and take five. Coming up from noon to three, Daniel Bongino will entertain you here at the quiet island. WNBF. Some velvet morning when I'm straight. I'm gonna open up your gate And maybe tell you about Phaedra And how she gave me life And how she made it in Some velvet morning when I Really sound like the quiet island though. Flowers growing on a hill, flies and daffodils. Learn from us very much. Look at us, but do not touch. Fedra is my name. <laughs> The Washington Post is um, using valuable journalistic firepower to try to fact-check the former guy. So what they did, and this was just posted in the last few minutes, what they did is they reviewed 24 claims that were made by the former guy in a period of five minutes on a TV interview at Fox News channels. And according to this analysis by Glenn Kessler on the Washington Post website, this is what it says, a bogus claim every 12 seconds on average. (laughs) A bogus claim every 12 seconds on average. And so that's what Glenn Kessler has been up to. Uh, That's what a single five-minute clip of the former guy speaking in Iowa earlier this month yielded. In the clip from a cable channel's town hall hosted by Sean Hannity, the former guy asserted that American oil and natural gas resources could solve Social Security's looming fiscal imbalance. According to this story, the claim came toward the end of the clip. To get there, a listener had to first hear falsehood after falsehood in rapid succession. Uh, It says Hannity teed up the former guy by noting that he had mentioned energy. Hannity said with $34 trillion of debt, the United States is paying 
$1 trillion in annual interest cost, which is, according to Kessler, a correct statement, and he said that's unsustainable. I think that's unsustainable, too. A trillion dollars in annual interest cost? I mean, at some point, the wheels must fall off. And then Glenn Kessler from the Washington Post goes through the transcripts and makes an assertion that there were simply two dozen false or misleading claims that the former guy made on the cable channel in a period of five minutes. So, But I'm not sure... If that's the best use of Glenn Kessler's time, I don't see what anybody at the Washington Post is trying to accomplish by actually tabulating false or misleading statements made by the former guy. Hey, the people who like him, and there are millions, millions and millions who do like him, they don't care if his statements are false or misleading. They believe him for the most part. As far as the rest of the people, first, most of the people who weren't fans of his weren't watching anyway. So, you know, if you get a, I think, a more important thing, if Glenn Kessler finds that the former guy made 24 factual statements in a period of five minutes, that's a story. 24 false or misleading statements in five minutes? News is supposed to be stuff that is not expected, something that doesn't happen all the time. So, anyway, good work, Glenn Kessler, for your taking the time to review the tape, the tale of the tape from Fox Cable Channel. 1053, let's go back to the phones. Good morning, WNBF, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Uh, William from Binghamton. Good morning, William. Yes, uh... I'd like to comment on about an hour ago or a half hour ago, you had this guy on there that was uh, talking about the fracking and, you know, he was against this uh, carbon dioxide fracking. Okay. And, you know, I was thinking, I go, uh, he must represent some green group, I guess. I, I didn't catch his name. But why don't these groups get together with some of these companies that do this? Instead of fighting them, why don't they come up with a safe way? of trying to do it uh, because, you know, we're going to need energy. Uh, everything in this world isn't totally safe. Either the food you eat, the water you drink, there's always acceptable levels of, you know, bad things that you could accept and still use the product. So why don't they do the same thing with this? Uh, instead of wasting all this time, money, court, uh, court costs, just get with these companies and come up with something that's totally acceptable for both sides. It just seems like it's a constant fight. Now, I'm for, you know, green technology, uh, if it can be done cheaply. But the way it is today, we're still probably a decade or two or three away from, you know, using solar completely or uh, wind power, all that. Uh, these, you know, instead of fighting each other, why don't these people get together and come up with a good idea? Well... Why don't you call? It, his name is uh, Walter Hang from Tar Toxics Targeting in Ithaca. Why don't you call him in Ithaca or send an email to suggest it? My guess is okay. the oh. my guess is the energy companies don't want to work with Toxics Targeting. 
And who knows, maybe they don't want to work with the energy companies. But it would be nice, I think your basic point is, for people to strive to come up with solutions instead of pointing out potential environmental problems with with the the uh, things that are being considered. I I agree, maybe something could be accomplished if the two sides would work together. Right, right. Well, like anything, like you had IBM here for years. Right. Now they poured chemicals into the ground and then it became a problem. Yeah. Now you got this battery plant, people are fighting it because... The problem I, I see... Yeah, unfortunately, we're short on time. We've got got the news coming up, but I, I think you made your basic point. I agree that we could probably do well to have people work together. Appreciate your call. Okay, thank you. Bye. Thanks. Got more calls coming up. I'm Bob Joseph on WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221EJ Binghamton, a town square... Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Mostly cloudy, then gradual clearing today, high near 41. Increasing clouds tonight, lower on 27. Partly sunny Wednesday, slight chance of snow showers in the afternoon, with a high near 34. Three people who were part of a crew putting on a holiday fireworks display at Highland Park in Endwell were reportedly threatened by a man with a knife. Authorities say the incident at the town of Union Park off Hooper Road was reported around 5.20 p.m. on Sunday. According to New York State Police, troopers were sent to the park after a 911 call was received. Joshua Bean of Endwell was arrested in connection with the incident. He was charged with three counts of third-degree menacing. He allegedly had a pocket knife during the confrontation. An investigation determined Bean menaced three people who had been involved with the holiday fireworks display that had just concluded at the park. There apparently were no injuries in the incident. Bean was taken to Broome County Jail in the town of Dickinson for arraignment. The confrontation between Bean and those working for the fireworks company came at the end of the annual Christmas in the Park event hosted by the Town of Union. Town Supervisor Robert Mack told WNBF News he had left the park just before the incident occurred. Mack said the park's manager advised him of the matter shortly after it happened. It occurred as the workers were in the process of tearing down the equipment that was used for the fireworks display. The operators of several Binghamton businesses want the city to do more to address criminal activity, including shootings, assaults, and vandalism. Some downtown business owners have expressed growing frustration in recent weeks about incidents that have made employees and customers fearful for their safety. In one case, a bullet damaged the window of a parked vehicle. In another recent incident, a large window at the Island Hut, a Washington Street restaurant, was shattered. A restaurant employee said someone apparently fired a BB gun at the window just before Thanksgiving. He expressed disappointment that no one was being held responsible for the damage. Mayor Jerry Cram told WNBF News that he's had conversations about crime concerns with downtown business owners. The mayor said while he believes downtown is safe, there have been public safety issues. He said the problems include violent crime, vandalism, and things like aggressive panhandling. 
Graham noted that in October, steps were taken to address issues that were linked to the operation of the Salvation Army meal program on Washington Street. He said the agency made changes to address some of their concerns raised by business owners. Village Public Works employees using heavy equipment hauled away massive amounts of garbage that had filled the yard and driveway of a condemned Endicott residence. A court order in late September directed all occupants to leave the two-story house at 1000 Monroe Street. Police had reported a series of incidents tied to the site over the past year. Authorities said a shooting, a stabbing, and a series of fights involving people linked to the residents were causing problems for people in the neighborhood. A village code enforcement official condemned the property on October 4th. A notice posted in the house on November 7th gave the owner 30 days to correct health and safety violations. Endicott Mayor Linda Jackson said village workers descended on the site Monday morning with front-end loaders, dump trucks, and a garbage truck to remove the trash on the property. The exterior cleanup job took a few hours. Jackson said workers were not legally permitted to go inside the house. Shortly after police evicted the occupants of the residence, people continued to enter the house even though the doors and windows had been boarded up. The mayor said there have been no recent problems reported at the address. Mayor Jerry Graham Monday announced the city has locked down 35 Baker Street, a problem property in the first ward where police arrested multiple people earlier this year on weapons and narcotics charges. On November 22nd, City Court Judge Daniel Seaton signed an order locking down the property at 35 Baxter Street for 12 months, effective December 1st of this year. The order states the city and the owners of the property have agreed that 35 Baxter Street is a public nuisance, having an adverse impact on the immediate neighborhood and upon the city of Binghamton in general, as defined by the city's property and building nuisance reform law. In August, the city issued a lockdown warning letter to the owners of 35 Baxter Street, deeming the property a public nuisance under the city's property and building nuisance reform law, commonly known as the lockdown law. After the owners failed to abate the nu nu nuisance, the city then filed a petition with city court to ask for a lockdown. The warning letter came shortly after three people were arrested at the property on felony weapons and narcotics charges following an investigation by the Broome County Special Investigations Unit Task Force. A fourth person was charged with criminal impersonation, which is a misdemeanor. At the time of the lockdown, warning letter was issued. 35 Baxter Street had been assigned a total of 30 lockdown points for incidents dating back to September of 2022. That's a look at news for local news, weather, sports, and features. Open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Yeehaw, it's Bob Joseph live. WNBF, Binghamton Now, 607-772-1290 is our number. Give me a call. Let's talk on WNBF. Such feelings coming over me. There is wonder in most everything I see. Not a cloud in the sky. Got the sun in my eyes and that won't be 
surprised if it's a dream Everything I want the world to be Is now coming true especially for me And the reason is clear It's because you are here You're the nearest thing to heaven that I've seen Of the morning to you with Bob Joseph. Here till noon, Dan Boncino from noon to three, Sean Hannity from three to six, and Mark Levin from six to nine. It's all for you on WNBF. And look, two hours in, and not a single person has had the nerve to bring up Hunter Biden. Like I say, if you don't have the courage to talk about him, we're going to have to conclude his problems are simply one of those limited-time nothing burgers. Enjoy the nothing burger for a limited time only at participating locations. Laptop? What laptop? And, furthermore... Who are the people who are using someone else's private information? In a desperate bid to harm his father. So much for privacy protection. Let's see what's going on here at the WNBF email uh, corral. Dennis from Binghamton writes about fracking in light of current events in the world order. Fracking has shown itself to be one of the best ways to insulate our country from foreign dependency. There are no perfect sources of energy but shale drilling and our ability to use our own natural resources is a huge benefit. Just ask European countries who are beholden to Russia who can literally turn off their lights if he chooses to. Thank you, Dennis. Uh, Beth from Binghamton writes, Thank you for having the guest on this morning about fracking. I will be notifying my elected officials on this issue. I don't agree with your guest and will be asking them to please pass legislation to allow fracking. I should add, I have family in Pennsylvania that own a lot of property, and they have allowed fracking on their land and have benefited greatly both financially and also the improvements to the infrastructure in their county. So thank you, Beth. Mm, Let's see. What else? What else? So people are sending in helpful news tips. Um. Hmm. Hmm. All right. Thank you. Some of the people with the uh, news tips. I mean, some of these things are helpful for background because there are a few ongoing stories that I am working on. So if you have background on 
a story that has been previously reported. Perhaps you've even provided information that's been useful for a story. I would certainly encourage you to continue to provide updates as appropriate. Updates as appropriate. Let me know. Let me know what's going on. Hmm. <laughs> and giraffes. <laughs> I wonder why they want to get rid of all giraffes. I. That's a good question, Carol. Personally, I support giraffes. You know, we don't hear about giraffes that much anymore. We remember a couple of years ago, giraffes were all the rage. It seemed to be. I think it had something to do with the media wanting lots of clicks. I mean, for the life of me, I didn't understand the, uh, the fixation, such as it was on, on giraffes. Remember that? For a, a while, for a few months, it seemed as though this was the giraffe capital of the world. And it was like, well, I guess that's maybe better than being the skunk capital of the world. But I, I didn't really, I didn't really understand the fixation. But, hey, things are cyclical, you know. Look at it this way. What if, uh, what's his face from the NFL team? What if he was hanging out with a giraffe? Would NBC Sports be doing as well? You see what I'm saying? I rest my case. It's 1117. This is Binghamton Now. I'm Bob Joseph. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Save in a big way at Galt Chevrolet. To be- Sounds tasty. 11:19 at WNBF. Wade in the town of Maine. Good morning. You're on the air. Good morning, Joe. What's going on? How are you today? Great. How's it going? Got a question for you. Uh, I've been out of the loop a little bit. I was out of town for a little while, and I came back and I noticed uh, driving up and down East Main Road, uh, one of the old Christmas tree farms over there has a sign out. Uh, Stop the Broom County IDA, I believe it is. Right, right. There's a big project that's being discussed that could turn uh, uh, at least 300 acres and maybe, maybe even a larger area in the town of Maine and the town of Union, that area not far from the airport. It could be uh, developed for uh, an industrial park. Okay. Uh, Just a question for you. have you heard them trying to buy land from the surrounding area to make it 600 acres at all? 
Sure, sure. I think they'd, if they, if they uh, were able, they, they would love to have twice as much land, 600, who knows, maybe maybe they'd like 1,000, maybe 2,000 acres. Who knows how much land they'd like, but they probably oh. can't afford, they probably couldn't afford 1,000 acres, but maybe they could afford 600. Okay, question for you. Um, the big rumors floating around town is that they were actually thinking about that property as a uh, Broome County dump because the uh, dump at the airport up that way is, is getting full and they're looking for another location. Have you heard anything along those lines? First, I've heard of that, but I don't, okay. I don't see why they would pay that much money for a dump. But I don't know how much... I don't know how much time the existing landfill has, so who knows? Or, or else right. we could work out a contract and do like all the smart communities do and truck all of our garbage to Seneca, Seneca County. That seems to be all the rage. Either truck it or uh, we could put it on, on trains. I think putting, putting all of our trash on trains and shipping it to Seneca County or someplace, any place away from here, I think, would be, be nice. I don't, I don't like having to see our trash dumped in Broome County. Right, along with other people. Right, right. I think we should find other locations to to use as dumps and try to keep Broome County pristine. Well, you would think with all the technology we have, with uh, all the carbon capturing um, equipment and the knowledge of everything that they have now, you think that they would be able to come up with a system, even with an incinerator system, and capture that, and they're already talking about burying CO2 under the ground, so there you go. There's your solution. Mm, it's not a solution because it's too expensive. Too expensive. Right. Yeah, I mean, technology's great. Technology, you know, there's a lot of life-saving technology available in terms of uh, machinery, um, pharmaceuticals, and all sorts of cutting-edge technology. It's all great, except we can't afford it, so... Right, no, I've got you. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, appreciate the call. Keep uh, keep me posted if you if you see uh, any new signs of activity up up there around Airport Road or East Main Road. Give me a call. Okay, Bob. We'll do. Eleven twenty three at WNBF Beverly from the town of Dickinson. You're on the air. Hi, Bob. What's up? Well, not much. Just uh, having a good old time, loving life. Every every day is a treasure. Yeah. What I'm calling to tell you, I was in uh, Walmart in Johnson City, and 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 you know those uh, white pulp pens that you you know that you uh, that you correct something uh, on the t- on your typewriter or or computer, and they said up on top over it, if you're under 18, you cannot purchase it. And I got to think of well, why in the world is that? And then, uh, so I come back up the aisle, and you know those markers that you, um, you know, like you mark things, so you know your clothing or or whatever, or you mark a spot on a wall or something like that. You have to be 18 years old in order and over to purchase them. Oh, it's a good idea. Well, well, I. I got up to the counter, and uh, the lady says, can you prove your age? And I, I said, of course I can. So I, I did, and she says, well, you don't look 
you don't look that age. So I did. All right. And so so did you buy it? Were you actually buying that for some somebody who's 15? I don't know. There's something about the thing about the thing about the things that are in there. Oh, okay. Well, I don't I don't know that much about it, but you know, maybe our listeners know more because this is another thing that I don't think uh for whatever reason, I don't think the government is telling us the whole story. No, I think what it is is maybe they're using it, using it for something else. But I don't know what, though. Well, that's possible. You know, the uh, as I see it, the the problem with society is people sometimes take things that have positive uses and then they use them for uh, unintended things. And before you know it, one thing leads to another. Well, I know that uh, that uh, that if you buy uh, oh, what's that stuff that you put on uh, oh, cream work or whatever it is, that you have to be a certain age. What is it? The the whip topping? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, you put them on on top of uh, oh, ice cream if you want them. Oh yeah, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised in the future that you're going to have to be 21 to buy anything in this country. Yeah, I, I know. I, you know, but the woman asked me if she said, uh, can you tell me your age? I said, sure. Huh. Uh, I said, that's all right. I said, I ain't, I ain't Well, exactly. Like it's any of her business. No, I know, but, you know, I... Well, maybe you're not, but some people are sensitive. The way I, I see it, first of all, to buy anything, I think in New York State, they ought to have a law that you have to show your license. If you want to buy like one of those Mac burgers that they are, are selling, that all the kids love the Mac burgers or anything like that, or one of those um, chicken burgers at the place that will only sell you a chicken burger um, Monday through Saturday because they don't have enough chicken burgers for every day of the week. But I think any of these places that sell stuff should require uh, a photo ID so they know who they're dealing with. Yeah, I know. You know, just to be on the safe side. That way, if something bad happens, that way the police, when they come to the store, they'll know who they sold it to, and then they can come and... Um, well, they could get a search warrant, then can uh, continue the investigation. What do you think about these these uh, these checkout places that take your pictures? Oh, I'm not uh, I'm not a big fan of that. No, I I, I uh, uh, check out self checkout. I made a mistake one day, and I. Uh, I missed something in my car, and I got up, and I, I was looking, I was looking at, at the bell, and I said, hey, wait a minute. So I went back, and I said to the lady, uh, I said, uh, I said, I think I made, I, I, um, 
I bought two things uh, that were the same price. And I said, I'm terrible, sorry. I said, am I in trouble? And she said, no. She said, you're honest. That's the last time I used them. Yeah, I never use them. Not because I'm afraid of making a mistake. It's because I'm afraid that if I use one of those self-checkouts, that uh, someone will lose her job over at the at one of the registers. So I think ultimately, if you use the self-checkouts, they're going to eliminate more jobs over the long run. Oh, yeah. You know, and they have to because they have to save money to keep prices low. Yeah, well, I, oh, hey, I got to tell you something. You know that gas station up there by, uh, by the spot restaurant? Guess what? It's $3 a gallon. Yeah, I know. I know. It's Isn't it outrageous? Those people are nice up there. They are. And they're busy. You know, I. it's almost like they're giving the gas away. Well, they're, they're, uh, they're from another country, but they believe, they believe in, in being fair. Well, they are. I've talked to the guy over there, and I like him. I... I can't, I don't remember his name, but uh, last summer I stopped in and I said, you know, your gas price is lower than anyone else in town. And he looked at me and guess what he said? What? He said, I know, I know my gas price is the lowest in town. And he said, but let that be a secret between you and me. Yeah, but you know, Bob, you know, Bob, they're, they're for the people. They're, they're, they're not, they're not. No, and I think the reason they're doing that, I think, is to show support for Joe Biden. Because I think they understand if every place was selling gas cheap, then Joe Biden wouldn't be facing all the problems he faces. So I think they're they're trying to show their support for uh, the president. And I think that's the I think that's a clear way that people that sell gasoline, if they want to support the current administration, they sell gas for $3 a gallon instead of $4 a gallon. That is going to help him become more popular. Yeah. That's what I think. It's just uh well, can't prove it. It's just a theory. Hope you have a good afternoon. Yep. You too, sweetie. Thanks. 1130 at WNBF. It's just a theory. You know, is there any way to prove it? Of course not. You know. Maybe they don't like Joe Biden, but still... You have to admit, if every place would sell gas for $3 a gallon, I don't think you'd have people calling in this program and griping about Biden as much. $3 a gallon? Heck, bring gas back down to $1.85 a gallon, as it was for a time when Barack Obama was president. If gas was $1.85 a gallon, or is $1.85 a gallon, on the first Tuesday of November next year, Biden would win re-election by 35 million votes. One day happy, one day sad Feeling good, feeling bad Anger words are spoken then in haste, a heart is broken. Who's in the strawberry patch with 
<laughs> Sorry. 11.35. You know, there must be some sort of inside joke, or is it possible that I just lost a bet? I don't know. 50 years ago, one of my favorite New York governors, a man who excelled at digital communication, Rocky, Nelson Rockefeller, uh, quit. Nelson Rockefeller, New York's governor, uh, quit 50 years ago. He said, my options are open. Basically, the guy quit because he wanted to be president. So that's how he treated New Yorkers. Thank you for electing me. Uh, Nelson Rockefeller, I believe he was a man of means, he uh, resigned as governor after being in office for 15 years. So a lot of people, a lot of people thought he was the governor for life, but he, uh, he quit. Headline in the New York Times from 50 years ago today, Rockefeller is resigning after 15 years. We'll head two-year national issues study. <laughs> A two-year national issues study. Oh, okay. Francis X. Kleins wrote on page one of the Times, ending a 15-year reign over state government and politics, Governor Rockefeller announced that he would resign to pursue a new national role and turn over his authority to Lieutenant Governor Malcolm Wilson next Tuesday. next paragraph gets me every time I read it. With Mr. Wilson blinking back tears, the governor denied the wide belief of politicians that he was leaving for a fourth and final pursuit of the presidency. Rather, he said he had concluded that he could perform a greater public service as head of two national commissions that are looking into future problems and water conservation. Whether I will become a candidate in the future, I do not know. I should like to keep my options open. And little did we know that less than three years later, he would gain global notoriety as being the only vice president of the United States of America to flip off college students at the Broome County Airport. You remember what happened there in September 1976? So that's what would have happened. Good thing. Am I right, people? Good thing that Nelson Rockefeller quit as governor 50 years ago because if he hadn't quit, he wouldn't have been available for Gerald Ford to choose him to be vice president. Because remember what happened just a few months later, in August 1974, Richard Milhouse Nixon had to leave early because of scandal. That's back when presidents actually were concerned about their reputation. So Richard Milhouse Nixon was ensnarled in scandal everywhere he looked. There was the unmitigated stench of Watergate. So he at least had the class to get the heck out of the White House and go to San Clemente and try to consider the bad things he had done and the things he did 
to forever tarnish his reputation, so he knew enough to at least resign when there was scandal swirling about him. And then Jerry Ford became president, and then Nelson Rockefeller became vice president, and then before you knew it, in September 1976, there were SUNY Binghamton students up at the Broome County Airport to greet Vice President Rockefeller, and he treated them the way no SUNY Binghamton student should be treated. He treated those wonderful students with an obscene gesture that even Walter Cronkite had to make reference to, or at least allude to. Walter Cronkite was afraid to say exactly what Nelson Rockefeller did, but he at least alluded to it. I think he, all he said, I think, on the CBS Evening News was the vice president was heckled by students at an airport in Binghamton, New York. I don't think back in the day in 1976, I don't think Walter Cronkite could ever say on the CBS Evening News that the vice president flipped off a bunch of college students at an airport in Binghamton because times were different then. It's 1141. This is Bob Joseph live at WNBF. his favorite color again? Really? Hmm. Interesting. Tom and Susquehanna. Good morning. Bob, Bob, that bunker music. I mean, oh my God. Yeah, what Listen. is that about? Hold on. Roped up right in a cage. I'm having a break. What is that about? It's, it's not hardly the. I have the, no idea. Yeah. Anyway, what's on what's on your mind? Let's. Uh, I never heard that song. Yeah. Let's uh, talk I about Joe Biden. It reminds me a lot of the president. Yeah. Well. <laughs> well, I didn't. I didn't put that together. I just wanted to talk about. Uh, uh, what you call it, um, Rockefeller? I remember that when he when he did that, and at that time I was back. I was a college student. I was stupid, and I thought he did the right thing. They were starting to harass him, so he, he did a good job on it. And I remember, now, my family, we were all Democrats, you know? My father would go back and forth. But uh, when he, I says to him, I says, look at this. I says, you're going to vote for him? He says, oh, yeah. And my father's reasoning was this. He says, Rockefeller has got his own money, so he's not going to come after us. And... Uh, I thought I thought Rockefeller was pretty good, and uh, I mean, compared to nowadays, forget about it. Well, I he mean, definitely uh, I, he definitely was no Andrew Cuomo, that's for sure. 
Oh no, no. I think he did. A, I think he did a lot of stuff, good stuff for the for the state, and uh, you know his personal life might have been screwed up, but that was uh, you know what I mean. He was a rich kid. Yeah, but it's all relative. You know, compare his personal life with the personal life of the former guy, and Nelson Rockefeller was a proverbial angel. Well, yeah, because uh, the former guy wasn't as wealthy. You realize Rockefeller was the son. Well, the, the grandson, what was he, the grandson, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, he wasn't the original, had, a, had some kids, and then he was one of them. But, I mean, they, he was the wealthiest man in the world. I mean... Uh, wow, well, not really. Trump but come from, Trump come from a, a, a family where you had, um, you know, they, they had money, Jamaica Estates, real estate, but it, they're nowhere compared to Rockefeller. But where did he learn his manners? I'll say this about Rockefeller, even though he flipped yeah. off those students at the airport, yeah. he still generally had, um, in most situations, his behavior was a lot better than the former guys. Yeah, because he wasn't subjected to it. You notice that they didn't do that. You notice the press, too. press wasn't, be, wasn't uh, after him. Nobody was uh, after him. Nobody said anything else. In fact, you were probably the only guy that took offense at him giving the finger to uh, those uh, college students. And at that time, well, you know when you were in college, you knew everything, right? We were, oh, well, this is Rockefeller. We were still tinged by the thought of the uh, capitalist bullcrap. But uh, no, I, I, I don't think, he, I think he gave Rockefeller a bad rap there. We should have more Rockefellers now. Oh, I don't know, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> Be careful. <laughs> Careful. You're under oath. I I mean, so here's the thing. Getting back to that day, yeah, in 1976. So a a guy, a guy I went to school with. No, it was earlier than 76, Bobby. Hold on. No. What is it? What was it? Hold on. Hold on. I think it was 76. Let's see. What? Uh, Hold on. It was September 76. It was. It was. uh, But here's the thing. So a guy I went to school with who ultimately wound up working for all people, Andrew Cuomo. I'm not going to mention his name now, but he wound up becoming a top, pretty top level aide assistant to uh, Andrew Cuomo in Albany. And he's still, I, I don't know if he's working in Albany or retired now, but he... Anytime he and I talk about politics, he um, he always mentions to me that he rode his bike up to the airport that day yeah. because he was interested in politics, even though both of us were in high school and we were both interested in politics and news. But uh, he rode his bike up to the airport in the town of Maine, I think from Endwell, so he could be at the event where Nelson Rockefeller was, where he ultimately, because also Bob Dole was there. Remember, Bob Dole was actually going to be Jerry Ford's running mate for the um, presidential election. And what I put on Twitter last year, I said I couldn't go that day because I had to deliver the newspaper before then going, riding my bike to WENE Radio to play the hits over in uh, East Main Street in Endicott. So I had work to do while my friend Darren was able to ride his bike up to the airport to see that uh, fabulous 
fabulous gesture from uh, Vice President Rockefeller. But and and I always kick myself that he got to go up there, but I was too busy delivering papers and then playing music on on the radio, so I, I wasn't able to get up there to see that historic and hysterical yeah. event. But you know what, Bob? I made a mistake. I thought it was earlier than that. At, at 70, if it happened in 76, I was on the police department at that time. So this must have been, I, I, I graduated college in 64, so I was well out of college. You know? So uh, yeah. No, it happened on I, September, I, I, September I 17th, 1976. God, well, you know something? Don't get old. Yeah, Look be, at this. Hey, it beats the alternative. Well, in some cases it does. Some cases it doesn't. Look, I was talking. You know? I was talking to a person who is still. He still gets up every day. Still goes to work and loves his job. Uh, I talked to him this morning. He's ninety-two. Yeah. And he's he's more wow. he's more enthusiastic. He has more enthusiasm and more optimism than most of us. And he was telling yeah. me. About yeah. you know, looking back over the decades that he and he he worked. I mean, his family came here from Italy, and he still is optimistic about the future. Now that's the way to be. You know, if you can oh, be, yeah. well, what you know, still do, filled. Bobby? What's his job? He's a barber. What's his job? Oh, very good. Yes, yeah, and he loves it. Skill. He loves meeting what? people. Well, you see, this is like you too. You know, you think twice about retirement. Because uh, if you if you got something to go to and something to do, that's what keeps you alive. And that's what you know that? that's what I look forward to every day, talking to yeah. you and everyone else on this program, plus talking to so many people before and after the program. So I'm, oh, yeah. as I said today, I went on Washington Avenue and and having conversations with people between. 8 o'clock and 8.45, and I could have stayed there all day because I was just talking to people, some who I had never met before, and then some who I had met previously, and then I even ran into one of my high school teachers who I hadn't seen in, in decades, and we we had yeah. a, a, a chance to chat about, about uh, you know, the good old days at Union Endicott High School. I, I just love oh, that. Oh, yeah, no, 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 that's good. No, that's good. You see, the trouble is with cops... Once you get off the job, you really don't have anything, you know, they, you can't do anything else, you know? Well, then a lot of, I re, mean, a lot I, of retired well, police and, and firefighters, a lot of times they open up a restaurant or a bar. So they can still, uh, yeah, like I know yeah. there was a retired New York City firefighter. He and his wife came up here and they operated a really nice um, establishment. It was a small establishment, but it was beautiful. And Did they, he have they enjoyed in the business. Hmm? Did he have family? I mean, I didn't. Um, I mean, I don't know anything about a restaurant business. I had a few other jobs that I used to uh, do, but you know what I mean. Law enforcement is different. It's, um, you know what I mean. And, oh, and really I know. Devote yourself. Well, no, you I know? trust me. I I know I know en enough people in law enforcement, so I know that that it's tough. It's tough. I mean, no matter how many years you work, whether you put in 20 years or if you can go for 25 or 30 years, no matter how much time yeah. you spend in law enforcement, it's it's tough. And then to transition 
as you retire from the law enforcement chapter of your life into the next chapter, whether you're going to open up your own business or maybe do uh, security or whatever. There are lots of options. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it, there's there's a time where you, you need to transition because, yeah. let's face it. Well, you know what? I, I didn't even think I'd be living this long, to tell you the truth. Otherwise, I probably could have started a whole new career. Well, that, and that's no? the thing. We never know. I mean, if we knew... Yeah. How much time, if, if, say, we knew that we had exactly 85 years or exactly 91 years, we mm. could plan accordingly. Yeah, but you still get look forward to getting up and going, even this morning, now with this... Uh with the snow and everything? Oh, yeah. No, I I look forward to the day. I admit I didn't necessarily look forward to oh, no, no. the first 30 seconds of the cold air. <laughs> but then, after the first 30 seconds, I'm standing out there on the deck and watching the dogs have a good time. And I'm saying, actually, this is pretty nice. It's oh, pretty yeah. nice oh, yeah. because I'll realize then in six months or eight months, it's going to be about... 90 degrees with 100 percent humidity and i'll be i'll be longing for the days when it was 20 this morning so it's refreshing i i enjoyed i enjoy the change of seasons and everything up here but that's the main thing long as you enjoy what you're doing yeah you know what i mean well you know uh, what makes me sad what that we wound up just talking about uh all sorts of different things, and so now we ran out of time and today we can't talk about joe biden but we can do that tomorrow yeah i yeah, all right. I'll see what happens if I can get back to you tomorrow. But tomorrow I got a, a couple of things I got to do. All right. All right. Well, listen. Take care, Bobby. Thanks, Tom. Have a great day. Okay. Bye, bye. And that's the story from Susquehanna County, making contemporary news. Our friend Tom. And uh, one of these mornings, I'm going to be down in Susquehanna County. So, Susquehanna County residents had better keep an eye open. I'm Bob Joseph. Have a great day. I'll be back tomorrow morning right here with Binghamton Now on WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town square media.